Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. But first, let's stand. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and thanksgiving. Amen. He is a good God. Amen, church. Anybody got a need? Just raise your hand today. The Lord knows your need. And I believe that he will meet your need in his timing uh, as long as you trust him and depend on him. Father, we love you this morning. We come to you, Jesus, with thanksgiving on our lips and praise with lifted hands, God. We want to honor you today. We pray that you would have your way in this service, Lord. We ask that you would begin to move in our midst, God, begin to inhabit the praises of your people. God, we pray that, that we, we know that we are here, but we're here, God, to honor you, to worship you, to give you glory. We know that we're going to benefit from this experience and from this service today. But God, I pray that above all, that we would be willing to lean into what it is you want to happen today, that we would lean into your spirit, lean into your power, lean into your presence. God, we know that by our needs Uh, being signified by the raising of hands that you're going to meet those needs. God, you know what we have need of before we even ask. And we pray this morning that you would be here with us and we'll be sure to give you glory and give you honor. Everybody say it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, would you give him some praise with your hands and your mouth? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you, Jesus. Mm. Would somebody high-five your neighbor? Let them know how glad you are to see them. Amen. Or low five. <laughs> we could do that too. Praise God. That Acts chapter 16, verses 9 through 10. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Verse 10. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Uh, for your consideration today, I want to talk about the subject, man of Macedonia, uh, man of Macedonia. How many would be honest and raise your hands and say that there's at least one person in your life who could benefit from a Bible study? At least one person, at least one. I'm not talking about your whole crew, just, just one person. Okay. Raise your hand. Hi, raise them up. Hi, real high. Okay. Of those, how many would say that they feel comfortable teaching that Bible study? Be honest. Okay. And then of those, how many would be honest and say that they, they feel comfortable, but you know, you fill in the blank has prevented me from teaching that Bible study. And you, I'm sure you could think of something that has prevented you from, uh, from being willing to witness or being willing to, uh, to teach a Bible study to somebody. How many would be honest and say, yeah, there were things that have gotten in, in, in the way of me being able to teach that, whatever it might be, whether that's life, um, whether that's maybe you feel like, uh, like you're inadequate. Um, maybe you feel like you don't really know how to witness or how to teach a Bible study, where to begin with witnessing to somebody uh, in, uh, for all intents and purposes, in Macedonia. Somebody who needs this truth, somebody who needs to know the gospel of Jesus Christ, but you don't really, and 
don't really know how to how to go about getting that started. Can I tell you there are those of us in the church in the ministerial team um, that are willing to sit down with you and help you through that process, willing to help you learn how to teach a Bible study and give you the tools needed. Uh, to teach the Bible study because once you get started, I can, I can guarantee you um, that it's not as hard as you might think. And actually, it, it's quite easy um, once, you, once you get into it. I've taught, uh, you know, countless Bible studies. Um, some of those people are still living, living for God today and some of them are not. But God does not measure us by our performance. He measures us by our obedience. And he's given us the, the, the great commission to go ye therefore into all the world, teaching and preaching and baptizing in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That's our mission. That's our goal. So how, how do we go about doing it? Uh, you could get on public public and social media and, and do some things there. Um, probably more damaged than good, but hey, you know, everybody's got their, their way of ministering. Um, but really, we have to come back to being willing to go out into this world and do just that, teach. Yeah. Uh, but if you don't know how to do that, I raise my hand, both hands, and say, hey, I can just talk to me after service, and I can teach you, I can show you what I've done in the past um, to walk through a Bible study, to hit the high points of the gospel, uh, and really develop relationship with people uh, outside of these four walls. Amen? Um, why am I talking about this? Because I, I truly believe that <laughs> we are in a time, in a day, uh, where there are people who are hungry, in their own way, are hungry for the truth of God's word. Um, and we have to develop, as a church, has to, has to develop the mindset of outward thinking uh, in terms of outside of these four walls to teach somebody a Bible study um, or to witness to somebody. Yes, your testimony is awesome, and I think that that's a great lead-in, but then we have to go beyond that. How do you then begin to unpack the gospel message of Jesus Christ? And you do it really by way of uh, a personal Bible study. Um, I'm, and I'm making this plug on purpose. We need more Bible study teachers. When I teach a Bible study, I can't wait for the next one. And sometimes too long, too, too much time goes in between when I get my next Bible study. Um, uh, you know, for me, I, but I, I want it to be something that is constant. I want it to be something uh, that I'm able to do on a regular basis because that is what the church is supposed to be doing. One by one, one at a time, one soul, teaching and ministering to those people, those men, those women in Macedonia. Macedonia representing uh, uh, people who maybe not live in our direct community, but maybe somebody across the, across the way, across town. Somebody that you run into in the grocery store might be a man of Macedonia or a woman of Macedonia. Uh, it, it, what I'm talking about is an opportunity to be the church that God has designed and destined for us to be. And so today I want to look at a few people. Uh, really, I am looking at a few people who have passion and have power. Each of you in your own way have a, uh, a passion, a burning desire inside of you um, to be a representative of some truth, um, whatever that might be. Maybe you train people at work, right? So you inhabit and you embody uh, the truth of that organization and you witness to your downstream subordinates or downstream or, you know, whatever you want to call them, uh, people that you work with. 
So then too, we need to do the same thing with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who can you witness to? And I asked you that question in the beginning. Who can you witness to? Who can you share a Bible study with? Who can you teach a Bible study so that we can then begin to see the church? Man, I tell you what, experience a revival like we've never seen before. It's not going to happen on accident. It's going to happen because people like you, folks like you, are, are fostering that that passion that we need and that passion that God desires for us to teach and for us to witness to our world. And guess what? They may never come or step foot in this church. Are we okay with that? Are we okay with them never stepping foot in 6911 North Trenum Road? But maybe they'll go somewhere else and, and, and really be an extension of your ministry. Because you taught somebody a Bible study, now they're a part of another church, and they're, they're winning souls left and right. But they may never cross a, come across that threshold. But because of your ministry, because of your passion, and because of the power that God has given you, there's a soul saved. Maybe a whole family. Maybe a whole town. The sky's the limit, church, is what I'm, is what I'm getting at. The sky's the limit when it comes to witnessing and being a witness for Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. We are that uttermost part of the earth. Anybody ever lived in Samaria? Jerusalem? We are the uttermost parts of the earth. The early church's ministry and, and the passion that they had, which was fueled by the power that God gave them, we are the remnants of that. And we can make uh, and continue to make disciples in the same way. This promise of power was linked to, to a God-given purpose. And the early church, and by extension the modern church, would receive this power to be a witness unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And I love the way the word, the Bible, uh, puts that little phrase in there, to the uttermost parts of the earth. It's, it's like a continuation, a dot, 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 a to be continued, right? The story doesn't end with the early church. The story could end in our generation. If Jesus decides to come back this same hour, the story could end. But for us today, the story is still, it's an open book. It's an open chapter. It's a, it's a continuation. And when we read that, we should take on and, and embrace the fact that we are the uttermost parts of the earth. And it's our job and duty to continue the proliferation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Elsewhere, Jesus gave the disciples the great commission to go, teaching and baptizing in the name, in his name. And you see, God does not grant power on accident or for trite reasons. When he grants power, he does so because his divine will and purpose is for that recipient to receive something that can change their life. Just like the power of the Holy Ghost changed many of our lives in here. It's not accidental. It's not trite. It's intentional. God is an intentional God. God not only gives the commandment, but he also provides the tools necessary to keep for us to keep the commandments. And I'm talking about that commandment to go. He gave us the tools. He gave us examples. Uh, when we sit down and we really think about it and we say, well, look at my life. I've got nothing to offer. Man, I tell you, you've got so much. You have so much to offer the kingdom of God. And, and some of us, there are missionaries in this, in this building. There are missionaries in your city. There are missionaries uh, uh, in your workplace. 
But we won't know that, we won't unlock that, we won't uncover that unless we are willing to go as the Lord has told us to go. I love Paul because Christ's passion became Paul's passion. Um, Paul in the early, ch early church was devoted and dedicated to exercising their power by winning souls. And so a few questions we need to ask ourselves today. What lessons can we learn from Paul and his associates with regard to spreading Pentecost? What lessons can we learn? Spend some time in the book of Acts. Do we attend services to be entertained by others or set on fire by the Holy Ghost? Why do we, why do we come to church? Why do we come to church? <laughs> why, why, are we, why are we even here? Besides... Uh, taking advantage of the opportunity to worship Christ and to be obedient to the scripture that says forsake not the gathering of yourselves in those days as the manner of some is and I probably got that a little out of order but you understand what I'm saying but beyond that why are we here where well, we're here to be poured into so then that we can go out and pour into we can take the abundance and the blessing and the power that God recycles in us each and every week week in and week out to become what he has destined for us to become the church a living breathing organism that is that has the mind of disciple making and that has has the mind of winning souls this is what we've got to be about Amen. this is what we've got to be about i had a conversation yesterday with uh the louisiana north american missions director uh brother ryan allman and uh, I, I just love the way God works. I don't believe that things are um, things in life and people we run into are accidental. I really do try to lean into what to, to the individuals that God um, sort of presents to me in my life uh, on purpose. And uh, one of the things he said, which really he said a number of things, but one of the things he, he I, I, I sort of hook, line and sinker me kind of thing kind of caught me was. Um, he said, uh, you know, the modern church today is really focused on one type of seed and it's a, it's a financial seed. And he, he mentioned that there are, he believes that there are obviously the Bible talks about seeds in many different ways. Three of those ways are thoughts, words, and people thoughts, words, and people are seeds in the Bible. Uh, but the modern church, we only focus on the monetary financial seed giving money to the organization maybe to send somebody else and there's that's awesome we need that but he said that the thing that we need to focus on in these last days are the the seeds of people being willing to send others to plant them in a city or in a town or in a different part of the world and support them so what does that mean that looks like somebody like brother buyer coming here and we love him here, but then maybe in a, in a, in a year or so, he gets a burden uh, to go and be a missionary somewhere. Maybe a missionary in Irmo or a missionary in, I don't know, Asia somewhere. We've got to be willing to send him despite him no longer being able to be a part of our body. We've got to be okay with that. Uh, and really how we got to that conversation is because I begin to share with him some of my past uh, and how certain ministries were not conducive or not um, mindful in the fact that people have to be released so that the gospel can spread, so that Pentecost can spread. 
And I thank God for this man, Pastor Huba, who has that mindset, Amen. right? That, and, and, and we have conversations all the time. This is, this is not his church. This is God's church. And so whoever God's want to plant here, we'll use. And whoever God wants to take away from here and plant somewhere else, we'll do that too. Because it's this, that's at the, at the end of the day, this is what this is all about. It's about spreading the gospel. Mm, because if the Lord continues to tarry, um, what he's doing is giving us an opportunity to win our world. Amen. Amen. Where am I in my notes? Paul in the early church was devoted and dedicated to exercising the power by winning souls. And so we needed to ask ourselves a couple questions. Look at Romans chapter one, verse six. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So how do we manifest this burden uh, for souls? Um, well, I think we start by doing a pulse check on the church. And I use that phrase sometimes because as I'm praying and thinking about a word to bring, I say, Lord, help me put my finger on the pulse of the church so that I can know what you want me to say. Um, in the, in the medical world, you know, if, uh, if homie here was laying down on this, this, this pew and we had the paramedics, medics come in here and, you know, my hands are kind of cold, forgive me. They're always cold. Uh, you know, they might check his temperature, right? They're checking his vitals. All right. Temperature's good. Then they're going to go down here and they're going to say, okay, let's check this pulse. Uh, one, 1,000, two, 1,000, right? Three, 1,000. You got to look over your glasses. That's the only way it works as you think. Three, 1,000, right? They're checking his pulse to see, they might even come up under here. And again, my hands are cold, right? And they might, they might feel under here, you know, and, and check his pulse under there. They might listen to his heartbeat. What are they doing? They're checking to see, is this dude alive or what? What's happening? How, how desperate, how dire is the situation so that we can know what actions to take? Can we perform resuscitation here? Or do we need to throw him in the back of a truck and haul him to the ER? What is his status? I believe that the church has a pulse as well. I believe that our pulse can be seen in demonstrations of miracles. Uh, I believe our, our pulse can be seen in how often we get new converts involved. Uh, I believe our pulse can be seen in, uh, in, in the number of, of people saved, the number of people who are baptized, the number of people who are filled with the Holy Ghost. Um, I believe that our pulse is uh, really an uh, explanation or um, a manifestation of our burden for souls. When all of those things and more are happening, it is a, it is a manifestation of our burden for souls. If we don't care about souls and don't have a, a passion or a drive to be the church, then okay, then our post might be a little weak. Not might be, it will be weak. We won't see the demonstrations. We won't see the, the, the growth, right? We'll fill in here, we'll pile in here every Sunday, every Wednesday, and, uh, and that'll be it. <laughs> we won't see people being baptized. We won't see people being filled with the Holy Ghost on a, on a regular basis. You understand that the, the Bible says that um, the Lord saved uh, 
daily added to the church daily, such as should be saved. I take that scripture literally that every day they got together and came in and, and, and gathered together with people of like-minded faith. There were souls being saved. What's our excuse? And I'm not talking to, not just to Ephesus church. Y'all smile a little bit. Y'all making me kind of nervous. Not really. Because I really don't care. Because right now I feel like there, there's this, there's a need for this to be said. Um, not just for our body, but for the body. And what's our excuse that there are not daily people being saved or added to the church it, as the modern church? What's our excuse? And it, it convicts me to my core. And I say, God, I'm, I, I just, I've got no excuse. Would you help me? Help me connect to that person. Help me connect to that lost person uh, who is different from me, who might think differently from me, so that I can be the example uh, that you want me to be in their lives. So that I can be the church and that when you check my pulse, Lord, that, that you find that I have a deep burden and desire for souls to win those who are lost. Paul had that, that burden. Paul had that, uh, that passion. And when you think about a soul being being one to the Lord, it should make you excited. It should make you, uh, you know, I hate to use this word anxious because a lot of times it has negative connotation, but it should make you anxious to say, okay, all right, hmm, I'm, I'm developing relationship with this guy. I'm developing relationship with this family. Thank the Lord. Let me disciple them along the way. And then when the Lord releases me from them, I'm moving on to the next person. Notice I said, when the Lord releases you, sometimes we make the mistake of there's a balancing act, right? Sometimes we make the mistake of, of our, our focus, our sole focus is baptism and infilling of the Holy Ghost. Baptism and infilling of the Holy Ghost. That is the principal thing. But there is such a thing as discipleship, and that doesn't happen on one Sunday. Doesn't happen in one month. I'm talking years, perhaps, spending time with people, developing relationship. And then when the Lord says, okay, I'm going to call you to Macedonia, and he gives you that vision and that burden to go somewhere else or, or to go to another part of the town, then you follow his leading and you do that. Don't, don't, don't diminish or relegate the mission to just baptism and praying people through to the Holy Ghost. We need that, but that's not the end of the story. Amen. Is our pulse pumping with the power of Pentecost? The power of Pentecost goes beyond just baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 15, verses 35 through 36. Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. I love this, man. Paul's pulse was for, burden, uh, was for souls. And even in this scripture, in the early church, as things are just going fantastic for the early church. Again, daily such as should be, should be saved or being added to the church. Paul, Paul lifts his head. I just imagine him. He's in this, this meeting with his uh, you know, other dignitaries and, and leaders of the church and presbyters and whatnot. And he says, hmm, let's go check on those churches we've established. But wait a second, man of God. 
all this revival is happening right here. Yeah, I know, but we need to go check on the body. We need to go take the pulse of the church. I consider myself doing that this morning. I'm checking on our pulse as, as, a, as, uh, as a local assembly in the grander body of Christ. Where are the men of Macedonia that we need to speak to, that we need to preach to, that we need to witness to, the men and women of Macedonia, those people who are far flung from our our visual world, far flung from our immediate surroundings that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul's burden for souls is evident throughout the scriptures. The book of Acts and even in the epistles gives us insight into Paul's sincere desire to see souls saved and converts discipled regardless of what it costs him. First Corinthians four, nine through 13. For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles last as men condemned to death. I'm gonna read that again. For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles last as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. Hmm. Heaven and earth are watching us as the church. Verse 10, we are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. To the present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. And we labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world, the offscoring of all things until now. (laughs) I tell you what, boy. Oh, my goodness. Paul has a way of putting things. What he's saying is... I invite you all to live the life that I live as an apostle for Jesus Christ. It's not glamorous. (laughs) He said, I'm homeless. We are viewed as, as dishonored, poorly clothed. I mean, I'm not going to pat myself on the back, but I mean, I look pretty good today. My shoes match, my socks match this time. Paul said, we are poorly clothed as apostles. I read a book uh, a couple weeks ago while I was in Myrtle Beach for work. Um, J.T. Pugh's The Power and Wisdom of the Cross. It was actually given to me um, by a friend I met some months ago. And to say that the book is life-changing, I'm not even going to even pretend like it's this, this deep revelatory Uh, you know, manuscript of ideas and thoughts. It's actually quite straightforward and simple. Those of us who are uh, called to witness for Christ, and and dare I say it, the whole church is called to witness for Christ, we have to be willing to take up our second cross or take up the second cross. And what J.T. Pugh does in that book is he highlights the, the areas, areas in the Bible where suffering occurs. And he says, you know, suffering is viewed in the Bible as thorns. 
suffering is viewed in the Bible as burden, and then suffering is viewed in the Bible as the second cross. And throughout the whole book, that's what he's highlighting. Uh, and he paints a, a very beautiful picture of how suffering, uh, in suffering, we actually get to be glorified. Um, and none of this is here, so I'm not even going to try to unpack it. But those are the three things I want you to walk away with. Or the things I want you to walk away with is that just like Paul, I'm not saying... <laughs> I'm not saying that we need to go and sell everything or maybe we maybe we should. I don't know. But we need to be willing to be debased for Christ, to be decreased for Christ so that he can be out front. Which is why I am I am uh, partially against how we use social media today, because it's all about me. It's my Facebook, it's my Instagram, it's my Twitter account. It's all about me. Paul is saying, none of what I'm doing, the, the, the true carriers of the second cross, none of this is about me. I'm to, look at me, I'm walking around in tattered clothing, not even thinking about, or, or, or Wondering when am I going to have my next meal? All of heaven and earth are looking at us as a spectacle. And yet we, being persecuted, he says, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. Are we willing to live that life? What's the pulse? What's the pulse of the church today? Are we willing to live this life? 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 14 through 16. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I've begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. You want me to be like you, Paul? Yeah. You mean this is, is this the only way that, that Christ can be known? Yeah. Isn't that what he did for us? He was despised and rejected. His own people in his own town didn't honor him, didn't. Pay, oh, that's just Jesus. Paul says, imitate me. Hmm. Am I imitating Paul? Hmm. Uh, some years ago, I developed a, a Bible study of my own. Um, I, uh, I had been teaching a Bible study. I think it was Search for Truth, and we finished 12 weeks. That's <laughs> a long Bible study. Uh, I finished 12 weeks with this young lady um, and she was hungry. So I got to work. I said, she, okay, she's hungry. She wants to learn some more. Um, and so I began to put together some things and I used a number of different templates and stuff and, um, you know, inter interlaced with my own thoughts and the things that the Lord laid on my heart. But there was something that um, a pastor of mine years ago um, said 
And I don't know if he got it from somebody, but he said this. He says, if our greatest need had been information, God would have become an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have become a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have become an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have become an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness and redemption. So God became our savior. This is what a lively church looks like. A church devoted to pointing people to this truth. That's how we know we're alive as a church. If we're doing that. And if you're doing that, man, I congratulate you. I give you all the thumbs up and I want to implore you to keep going, keep doing the work that Christ has called you and commissioned you to do you, you yourself, if you're doing this and imitating Paul, imitating the early church, you yourself are, uh, are being the church. And that's what we need. We need more people, more individuals to be the church. There are people in your life, and you've heard this before, there are people in your life that I will never come across. I will never meet. Pastor will never meet. But you meet them and you, you talk to them each and every day. Check your pulse. Are you witnessing? Are you teaching? If you don't know how, let's talk. Let's talk. So you can imitate what I've done imitate what others have done and uh, move this gospel forward. But with power comes problems. And I've got to, wow, I've got to wrap up. Our personal Pentecostal experience should cause us to love souls and should motivate us to become missionaries in our neighborhoods, our places of employment, or abroad in some foreign nation. Paul went from sea to sea, town to town, traveled with different companions, but his message always remained the same. We know how frustrating it can be to travel with different people. We, <laughs> we just came back on, uh, from a trip, and uh, a week before we left for Orlando, I was traveling by myself. And the way I travel by myself is different from the way I travel with my wife and kids, which is different from the way I travel with just my wife. And when I'm traveling by myself, I do what I want to. I go where I want to go, right? And I, I, I talk to people. When I'm traveling with the family, I've got to be a little bit mindful of whether or not I stop every hour, right? Because when it's just me, it's pedal to the metal. or Yeah, pedal to the metal, right? I'm gone. I might stop when that light comes on, that gas light comes on, right? But with the family... You know, you might be good to be in the trip two hours before somebody's got to use the potty. And then when I'm traveling with wifey, if potty is on the menu, you can't just go pulling into the old, you know, shell gas station. Right? <laughs> right? She wants the hotel. <laughs> Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, we can go anywhere. This guy, I mean, I ain't got to touch nothing. Right? You know it's bad when you walk into a restaurant, or not a restaurant, a bathroom, and your hands are cleaner going in than coming out. Right? Let me move on. But 
even though Paul had all these different traveling companions, his message remained the same. But there's a moment in the church where there's a little bit of a break in that uh, unity. And this is the first problem we come to in Acts chapter, I'll do this and then I'll end. In Acts chapter 15, verses 35 through 41, Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord. Here we go again. He's wanting to go and check the pulse of the people and see how they do. Uh, verse 37, and Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark, John Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia, which what happened was that apparently at some point in the narrative, John Mark was along with them and then abandoned them. And so when Barnabas says, yeah, let's go get John Mark and go over, go with him over to Asia Minor and do this thing. Paul's like, no, you, you want to take the dude that left us? You want to take the dude that abandoned us? Nah, I'm good, bro. You, you know, I, I, I don't want this guy in my, in my party. I don't want this guy in my entourage. Verse 39, and the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark, Barnabas took John Mark and sailed into Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed. Being recommended by the brethren, brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Silas. Uh, Cilicia, confirming the churches. Paul and Barnabas here are two peas in a pod, dynamic leaders, effective leaders, Holy Ghost filled, and yet they disagreed about their next steps. And my point in bringing this out is uh, it might happen. It might be the case that we may not agree on which direction to take next. Pentecostal expansion has the potential to cause logistical disagreements, but through it all, a church with a unified passion to spread the gospel will be successful. They disagreed on who to bring with them, but both still went and did the work of God. And I bring that out because all too often, and, and, and we talked about uh, unity a couple Sundays ago, but all too often, we allow that, that disagreement in, in the logistics of things as the church, we allow a disagreement that causes a split, and then nobody is effective. Right. Nobody is effective in doing the, the work that Christ has called us to do. But hey, I, I, as I said then, we love you. I still love you. We're still a part of this thing together. If you want to take so-and-so and go and teach over here and preach, then <laughs> I was going to say, may the force be with you. May God be with you. May God be with you and strengthen you in that. The point is, let's continue to spread the gospel. Let's continue to spread and reach the man and the women and the families of Macedonia for his glory. Amen. For God's glory. What happens next is they, Paul ends up meeting Timothy, and I'm fast forwarding through all this. Paul ends up meeting Timothy. Timothy uh, and, and commissioning him and, uh, you know, sort of, you know, knighting him. And they end up going over to Macedonia. This is where Paul has his vision of the man of Macedonia. And as they obey God and begin to walk in the calling, they come to Macedonia and one of the greatest revivals recorded in biblical history occurs. Acts chapter 16, verses 14 through 15. And a certain woman named Lydia, 
the seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her husband, she besought us saying, if ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. I, I love the story of Lydia because it's interesting that she was a, a seller of purple, which we know purple is not a, a, a natural color of fabric. And so by way, she had to convert, if you will, the fabric to the color purple. And I like this because of, it's of the mindset, well, she was used to converting things. And so she would be the right person to have in the church because she's used to conversion. She's used to helping, uh, you know, things that are old and plain become something dynamic, become something worth something. Because we know purple is very and was a very expensive fabric. But from here, they restored the Maniac girl, Acts chapter 16. The jailer is converted. We know this story. And, oh, by the way, speaking of earthquakes, did y'all feel that earthquake last night? Yes. Yeah. If you were in Camden, what was it, a 3.4 in the Lugoff area and stuff in in Elgin? Uh, My wife thought it was thunder, but then she realized it was coming from underground and not above. Um, I heard it in my sleep. I thought I was just having a bad dream and I just went back to bed. But uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we had an earthquake last night. But anyway. These major victories, the the Lydia being baptized, the demoniac girl being restored, the jailer being converted, these major victories in Macedonia, while they were victories, they were also the seedlings of persecution. And they were also the catalyst for Pentecostal expansion. And you ask yourself, well, how can all of that happen? Remember I said, suffering spreads the gospel. And there's a pattern here. There's, a, there's an endowment of power. God gives them revelation. God gives them power. They face opposition. And then they experience victory. And if you, can, if you can recognize that pattern, then you can plan to persist because you know, as Ecclesiastes tells us, to everything there is a season. Amen. And while Ecclesiastes gives us sort of a a list of things, right? There's sort of a, a, a yin and yang, if you will, to the things listed. We got to remember it says to everything, there is a season. To everything, there is a season. There's a season of victory. There's a season of loss. There's a season of opposition. There's a season of unity, right? All these different things. But the, the short end of it is we need to endure hardness like a good soldier. We need to endure hardness like a good soldier. When we, when we have that power, when we have that opposition, when we experience that victory through it all, through everything, we need to endure hardness like a good soldier. So just in closing, there, there's more I could say. I could talk about the sermon on Mars Hill and, and, and Paul's powerful message to the intellectuals of the day. There are a lot of smart people in our, uh, and for the podcast, y'all didn't see the air quotes. Um, there's a lot of smart people in our world um, that are hungry. The Bible talks about how these, the, these religious people stood around to tell something new. Their, their, their motivation to live was to tell something new or to hear something new. That's, that was, that, that's their whole existence described in one, in one verse. 
And Paul ministered to them. And he ministered to them using their own poets that they believed in. Their own Bible, if you will, that they believed in. And he said, this unknown God that you're worshiping and don't know, that's the one I'm preaching. And from that, some didn't believe, believe it or not. And that's okay. But what came from that, the Bible talks about two people in particular, Dionysius and Damaris, man and woman, who were saved and followed Paul. Why do I mention that? Your efforts may not yield 200 people, but if it yields two, you've done the work of the Lord. You've been obedient. God does not measure us by our performance. He measures us by our obedience. That's how he does things. As I end today, I want us to do a pulse check because we have the same power within us, but do we have the same burden? Is our pulse pumping with the same burden and the same passion and drive uh, that Paul had, which was really Christ's passion, a burden for souls? Who is your man of Macedonia, your woman of Macedonia? Who is the family of Macedonia that God has placed and given you a vision for in your life? Would you go and witness to them? Would you go and minister to them? Would you go and obey the call that as God pricks your heart, the Holy Ghost pricks your heart, would you go and obey the call and witness to them? Who is crying out in your life? Come and help me. Let's all stand. It may be some money that you least expect. Is your passion misplaced? This is a good one. Good question to ask yourself when you're checking your pulse. Is your passion misplaced? What are you predominantly passionate about? Is it the entertainment industry? Is it who's going to win in the Senate in the midterms? Is it whether or not Trump's going to be reelected to president or somebody like him? What's your, what are you passionate about? Is it because again, this, our passion does not discriminate. It's, it's passion. We have to direct it. We have to tell our passion, hey, I need to be more passionate about the things of God. You're going to have the passion regardless. But is that passion directed and, and focused, Christ-focused? These are the questions you need to ask yourself as you check your pulse. Are you passionate about your family? Well, good, I hope you are, but in what way? Are you passionate about them being the representatives and ambassadors for Christ? That's where I want my passion to be. The future's going to happen as long as the Lord tarries. But, I, but for now, I want my passion and my family's passion to be Christ's passion. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this word. God, I pray that this rests well with us today. Thank you, God, for those individuals, those people who are missionaries to foreign lands, missionaries to homelands, missionaries to local communities and, and neighborhoods. God, give each and every one of us. There's a man in Macedonia in every one of our lives. And I pray, Lord, that we would be willing to lean into that, that call, that vision that you've given us, that burden that you've placed in our hearts, that we would be willing to go and witness and use this power that you've given us for the proliferation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're in a powerful season, a powerful time in human history. And I pray that we, the church today, don't waste it, don't spoil it, don't be distracted by the things happening in this world. 
Let our voice be your voice. We love you and be sure to give you glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said in Jesus' name. If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part 